Welcome to Women Express. I'm your host, Denise Harrington, and I'm excited, as always, to be with you today. I have been spending the last few weeks and really months going into the last quarter of the year thinking about what did I do for myself to enrich my own prosperity? What did I do to bring more prosperity to my business and to the world? And as I'm heading closer and closer to the Christmas season, the season of what we call generosity, I felt that it was a great idea to bring to you someone that I really, really have actually grown to adore in my day-to-day experience, but also as a friend. Ellen Rogan. I'm excited. I say I'm excited a lot, so please forgive me. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Ellen is the abundance activist. Ha ha, check that out. And if you're looking for a treat today around your finances and your money and what money is and how to use it, she's the person that really is here to share her voice with you. Her program is called Creating Prosperity on Purpose. I love that idea. Ellen and I had a long conversation when we did our pre-interview talk and just places because of what she said inspired me to have a second look at what it is that I'm doing with my prosperity and how I can expand. I have to tell you, (laughs) I started thinking, okay, I got to invest a little bit more. And then the next thing was, okay, I'm not asking for enough for myself. And believe me, I've been in business for 28 years now and I've done well for myself, but I have not asked for enough as a woman. And I say as a woman, we've had other guests that have come on this program and talked about on this podcast and they've talked about equity, you know, financial equity. I know for a fact that I do incredible work and I don't ask for enough. I really don't. I'm going into 2020 with this in mind that I'm going to ask for more. The other thing, when I first started doing work with women, People used to tell me, don't charge them so much. And, and I remember when I first started almost 20 years ago doing this work, I said, no, you have to get a voice. You have to go ask your employer, go ask your boss for the money that you deserve. Because I can tell you, every penny that you ask for, you work for it. You earn that. So I don't go down in price for the programs that are offered. I really challenge women and I challenge those of you who are listening It's easy to to go out and buy yourself a pair of, what, red bottoms, Louis Vuittons. How easy is it for you to invest in your future, to think about, I could own, let's get way out there. I could own a block of houses. I could own my first house. I could own a share in a company. I could be on a board and get paid for it. I know lots of us are out there on boards. I've been on boards where I don't get paid. It's a lot of fun, but I can tell you my business will always be the first in that. So what about being on a board and get paid for it? So these are some of the things I've been having going through my mind. And I just wanted to share with you that, you know, going into 2020, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go ahead and figure out ways to bring that prosperity into my life and live a more 
abundant and a more opulent life, a life where there's plenty and beauty and it's reoccurring and it's it's plenishing. I love that word. And that I'm thriving and flourishing for myself first. And of course, because I always bring more to those around me. Let me tell you about Ellen, because as you now know where my focus is today with her, I could see her taking notes, so I know that she's got some great ideas. Ellen is a CPA and a CFP. And in my talk, she's going to enlighten the way you see and approach money. Ellen takes a unique approach to creating prosperity and success. Money can be a mystery and complicated, a source of great stress, hallelujah on that one, and confusion. And I think downright just not knowing. At other times, money brings tremendous joy and fulfillment. Even smart, successful women can be fearful and mystified when it comes to their money. Whether you're running a business or planning your personal finances, Ellen will show you a better way through creating prosperity on purpose. Ellen is committed to sharing her career wisdom about money and finances to increase your financial acumen. And she is a New York bestseller of Picture Your Prosperity and Smart Money Moves to Turn Your Vision into Reality. I had so much fun, as I said in my pre-interview with you, Ellen. This talk that she will bring with you and to you, my friends out there, of which we're getting to be more and more, she'll give you the tools to create money magic. Welcome, Ellen. Here we go. Oh, I'm so excited, Denise. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have one source of a friend, Deborah Potterman, who's been on the show and she spoke about Yes to Success. And Deborah has turned me on to some of the best people. As soon as I talked to you, I just knew we have to be friends. We have to be friends forever. <laughs> love that. Love that. We love Deborah. <laughs> we love Deborah. Yeah. So I really wanted you to talk about being a creator of our own source of, of revenue and of money and finances. And I felt because we are preparing to set those goals for the new year and we're going towards the end of the year and some of us are out there shopping too much and some of us are giving away, I wanted to talk about the basics first and then go into generosity and how to look at that. And then what is prosperity and abundance? Those three things, the basics, you know, how to really deal with generosity, how to receive. Mm -hmm. How about that? How to receive money. I'd like to hear about that. And then prosperity and abundance. What do you think? Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Do we have like five <laughs> or six hours, Denise? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the basics are really interesting because when I think you think about the basics of personal financial planning or planning for your business, you tend to think initially about budgeting and tracking and all that. And I think that's important. And I want to come back to that. But I think the thing that isn't talked about as much as it should that I also think is part of the basics is what do you really believe about money? Uh, you know, we are brought up since we're very, very little people hearing, seeing about how money works in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that many adults don't realize what an impact that has on how you're dealing with money today. Wow. 
So I um, gave a workshop last week and we had people go through kind of their money upbringing, right? Like what was money like growing up in your family? And I just, I don't know why I assumed everyone realizes this is such a big impact on what shows up today. And there was many women in the room and this was actually a workshop given at a pretty conscious place in Chicago called the Infinity Foundation, which brings in all sorts of transformational leaders. And I actually met Deborah Poneman initially through Infinity. And there was many women in the room who said, oh my gosh, I never even realized how my money upbringing was having an impact on me today. So let me give you an example of what I mean. When I think about what money was like growing up in my family, we were lucky. My mom didn't really have to work to bring in money. It was my dad's job. And so when I was little, you know, my parents never talked to me about money. They didn't really teach me anything, but everything I learned was kind of through them. And some of the things were really excellent. Like it never even occurred to me that you would spend more money than's coming in, which is a beautiful <laughs> thing. I'm really lucky about that. That but is I lucky. In my, I know. So at 26, Eight, I started my own financial advisory firm. And I had all these letters after the back of my name. I was CPA and a certified financial planner and you know, EIEIO. And I realized <laughs> as I started to look at my own money personality that I was operating out of this very unconscious belief that it was my husband's job to make money, just wow. like it was my dad's job. And once I uncovered that belief, I'm like, well, that is stupid. Not that it's not, you know, he's not contributing to that, but it was further, not just that it was his job, but that I probably couldn't do it, which yeah. doesn't make any sense. And just because we believe something doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, yeah. And all it took, it wasn't like years of therapy to get through that belief. It was looking at it and saying, this just doesn't make any sense. And you know, it's so funny because in my family, I grew up in what would be called a... African-American middle-class family. But the bottom line was we were still day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. And I learned the idea that I don't have enough. Mm. You know, it's not enough. I get by with just enough, those kinds of things. That's crazy. Well, and we can think about, okay, if those beliefs are not examined, they just kind of keep playing out our whole life. Like if I had not examined that I thought it was my husband's job and that I couldn't do it, I probably wouldn't have ended up being able to grow a really successful business that I ended up ultimately selling to do other things of getting out there and speaking and writing. And you can see here, here's another belief I hear a lot. Oh, uh, rich people aren't very honest. <laughs> so if that's what you think and you're a nice, honest person, why would you ever want to have money? I mean, it just doesn't, you can see how these are just complicated. So I think one of the first basics is really to start examining, like, what was it like when you were growing up? And if you're in a relationship with somebody around money, it's a wonderful conversation to have with them as well to really see where they're coming from when it comes to money decisions, because it really does form the basis. Um, Bruce Lipton, who wrote a fabulous book called The Biology of Belief, says that we develop our subconscious beliefs sometime between conception and age seven, where most of our beliefs are formed. And 95% of the time, we're operating out of our subconscious. Wow. That's true, though. It's true. You know, for those parents out there, I think people tend to think, oh, when my kids get older, I'll start to teach them about money. 
they're absorbing. Are you fighting with your partner about money? Are you worrying about it? Are you saying to them all the time, oh, we can't afford that? Or sure, go for it. Or they're hearing all these conversations. And it's really about what they hear. So we have kids in their early 20s now. And I think that it's fair to say they're both super responsible when it comes to money. And I like to think it's because their financial advisor mom was so deliberate teaching them. (laughs) And I asked our son about a year ago, like, so what do you remember that I taught you about money? He's like, nothing. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) All that work? Right. So it's not really what we tell them. It's what they're seeing. And it it can be things like allowance and things like that we can get into later if you want. But yeah, so these are really part of the basics. Mm -hmm. So knowing where you are from your past in the present about your money is a number one basic. What would be number two? I mean, I think we're sitting here going, she's a CPA. How how do you crunch the numbers? But yeah, well, we can talk about that too. So it is really important for people to know the basics of what they're spending and what they own and what they owe. I will tell you, I'm not a believer in budgets. And people go, what do you mean? Like you're supposed to be a believer in budgets if you're a financial advisor. And I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. (laughs) Phew. Right? Yes. Part of the reason is I very, very rarely in all the years I've been, you know, working with people when I used to work with individuals or speaking in front of groups, seen someone who actually keeps to a budget like they say you're supposed to do it. Like, okay, I spend too much on food this month, so I'm going to spend less on entertainment. I mean, people don't actually do that. And Denise, when I say the word budget, like, what does it feel like to you? It feels cramped and restricted. Yes, cramped and restricted. And that word restricted is consistently the word I hear when I ask people that question. It's like diets. My co-author, Lisa King, says budgets are like eating celery at a pizza party. That's so true. I can see that. As soon as you said budget, it's like, okay, I know I'm not going to make that. Right. Right. It's like a diet. Right. So here's what I think you should do instead. So I do believe it's important to know where your money's going. Most people have no idea how much they're spending or where it's going, and it is important. What I recommend instead is that people create a values-based spending plan. So a values-based spending plan is where you do track everything that you've spent. So maybe you go back the last six months or you do it going forward. There's lots of online tools like Mint, M-I-N-T, or Quicken that can help you with this. You look at what you've spent, and instead of the traditional way of looking at things like what are my fixed expenses, like my mortgage or rent and variable expenses, you look at what it is that you really value. Like what's most important to you, and you categorize your categories of expenses in A, B, and C priorities. So an A priority is like, this is so important. Like I'm willing to give up a lot of other stuff to continue to do this. And a C priority might be meh. You know, so maybe a C priority, I'll use the whole Starbucks thing because it kind of makes me nauseous when people are like, oh, don't get the latte. Well, if your latte is your A, like that is your joy of every day to sit and sip it or you do creative work sitting in the coffee shop and get the friggin' latte. (laughs) If it is not because it's just like convenient and you don't really care, then don't spend the four bucks a day on your fancy latte, like make it at home. Mm-hmm. I want to tell a quick story about a woman from Chicago who had been at one of our workshops and 
for the first time, she was in her 50s and had never looked at what she was really spending her money on and did the hard work. Like it is not for most people, not everyone, but for most people, it's not that fun to go through and track all this. It's She went through that activity and she started to do her A, B, and C priorities. And she realized her house was no longer an A priority. So that means everything that goes with the house, the real estate taxes, the insurance. She had a big mortgage. She lived in this house since her kids were little. She was now divorced. Her kids were out of the house. She happened to be working in a family business that she hated working in. Oh my goodness. Wow. And she ended up making a big decision just from this one activity of tracking her spending of saying, I want to get rid of this house. When she sold her house, she got rid of a bunch of junk she had in her house. So she cleared clutter. She got rid of her big mortgage. She had some debt she was able to pay off with the equity in her house. She bought a little teeny condo overlooking Lake Michigan. Realized she had cut her expenses so much she could get out of her family business and so much happier. So for some people that might not, you know, might seem like, oh my God, she sold her house, but it was really all about setting priorities. And so these things you think you have to have, whether it's, but you know, your house or a car or something that you've had, or maybe that's something you aspire to have and Mm -hmm. you want to create more space more money to actually be able to save for those things. This is really a beautiful activity to go through and much more deliberate. You might want a backyard with some flowers and you are living in an apartment right now. That's right. Or if you're like me who never gardens and my husband and I wish we were married to a third person that thought that was fun. (laughs) Like, you know, eventually we'll be like, yeah, we don't need this anymore because it's not something we value anyway. It's true. It's true. I'm starting to take a look at that. I'll just say as an aside, my millennial child has been telling me, you got to tell people in the podcast more about yourself. So I will. A little bit about myself is I'm an empty nester now and I'm single and I live in suburbia and it's beautiful. We have deer and fox and, you know, all the little critters that are in suburbia right outside of D.C. as a matter of fact. So it's kind of strange, but we do. And I love to hear all the birds singing, but it takes me almost 45 minutes to get into D.C. where single people hang out. <laughs> so I'm starting to think I want a, a really, really nice sized townhouse closer to Washington, D.C. And that may mean letting go of my suburban wonderful backyard, have barbecues that no one comes to anymore and going into town and meeting people for, because that's what's happening. I'm meeting people at the wharf and we're going to 12 stories and we're doing these things, you know, I'm going to the galleries. What the heck? 45 minutes? You kidding me? Well, and so it's a really good point about how this values-based spending plan changes over time because we change. Mm -hmm. Everything's always changing. Yeah. And I think the more deliberate you can be with your money, the more uh, you can create the life that you want and use it as it's supposed to be the tool to create what you most want for yourself. I love that. A tool to create what you want for yourself. All right. So there's some basics, ladies. And you know what? I'm hearing that men are out there too. So some basics for everyone. Tell me about this. We're in going into the Christmas season and tell me a little bit about how the the spending frenzy goes and what we should do about generosity and what should we do about those bonuses that we deserve? You know, those things are going to be coming to us. Generosity, shopping like nutties, and then 
What about those bonuses? What should we do with those things? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be, let's start with the spending and I'm going to really transparent about this. So I'm Jewish and the holidays are different for us. And I will say that in the past, when I've had this conversation about spending at the holidays, I will say I probably don't appreciate all the pressure that people are under with Christmas. Well, look, I celebrate Christmas and I just have gotten to a place where I'm so tired of running out doing all this stuff. So I just tell people, get what you want. I'm not going to run around and figure that out. Sorry. Yeah. It's not fun. So, you know, there may be ways to be doing this in a way that serves everyone. You know, maybe it's, I've heard people say, instead of giving everyone in their family, they now pull a name and they give to one person in the family. Or maybe you create some kind of experience instead of a gift for someone. And I think it goes back to this being deliberate and really thoughtful, just as we were talking about your values-based spending plan. Mm -hmm. Because does it really serve people if all of a sudden in January you have this giving hangover and having to deal with just overspending? It just doesn't Mm -hmm. feel good. I had an experience uh, different than giving to others, but this past weekend, as I mentioned to you, I had to get a new phone, which was expensive, right, to get this new iPhone because mine, like I couldn't hear people anymore. I figured it was time to get a phone (laughs) if I'm no longer able to hear people. That might be something. (laughs) And at the same time, I like joined this new health club, which was less money than what I had been doing before. But all of a sudden there was all this spending in one day and it just didn't feel good. Like it was, I knew in the long run, it was all things that made sense. But, you know, part of this is really to slow down and notice really how that feels. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, you and I had talked in a prior conversation about mindfulness and we can talk later about why I think it's an important practice for dealing with your money. But you can also, you know, just for this conversation, be really present to your spending and how it feels for you. Because I think we're often on autopilot with spending versus Mm -hmm. being aware. I would agree with that. Yeah. And if we can really slow down and do planning, I mean, now this is such a great time of year to start to think about what it is that you want to create for the next year Mm -hmm. and really starting to be deliberate about what is your financial plan for next year and what are some of the goals that you most want to accomplish for yourself and what are some things that whether they're big, like long-term goals or just, you know, maybe your goal is I'm going to be creating a spending plan before the end of the year. Hmm. You know, I'm going to spend New Year's Day going back and just looking at what I spent for the last year or some quiet day during this period to track it for yourself. Let's jump back a little bit to generosity. I believe that generosity is actually a precursor to prosperity. I often hear people say, oh, I'll give back when I have it. But I think giving back is backwards. I think it's giving forward. So let me give you an example. So I think we can all or most of us all listening to this now can remember 2008, 2009 and how that Great Recession felt. Nonstop on the news hearing about how bad things were. And what I saw when I was working with people is this energy of hanging on so tightly to what they had. So if you can imagine making fists, like hanging on gripping because you're so scared, like I'm not going to have enough, I'm not going to have enough. 
And at the same time, just when charities and people in your life needed money more than ever, people were so scared they were hanging on and not giving. Now, mm -hmm. if you're yeah, metaphorically, your fists are clenched, are you able to receive? Interesting. No. Right. You know, you mentioned before receiving. On the other hand, there's people who are always giving, 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 and it somehow doesn't feel right for them to receive. And if your palms are always open and you're always giving, that doesn't work either because you're not, I don't believe you're truly taking care of other people when you're not taking care of yourself as well, because mm -hmm. ultimately you're going to be a burden on somebody whether it's people in your life or the society or whatever it is, that doesn't serve either for you not to be open to receiving. So let me share a really tactical strategy for giving. And we can talk about volunteerism, but what I'm talking about right now is financial giving. Okay. I think everyone, all of you listening could probably, you've heard this idea of paying yourself first. So taking money off the top to pay yourself for putting money in your 401k plan if you're employed or maybe in a retirement plan if you're self-employed in a SEP IRA or maybe your own 401k. Right. I think it's also a great strategy to set up a systematic giving plan. So to take money off the top, to put in a separate account earmarked for giving. For giving to who or whatever organization is important to you. I hope you guys are writing this down because this is something that I certainly have been thinking about. Okay, carry on. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, when I started was when I wrote my first book, Great With Money. I wrote it with a wonderful woman named Melissa Burke. And we talked about this idea of systematic giving. And before that, my husband and I didn't really have a plan for our giving. We'd give to charity or if someone asked, but we never really had any kind of system. And when I started writing that book, I started taking a percentage of my income and putting it into a separate account earmarked for giving. So we do 10%. It doesn't have to be 10. It can be 2 or 15 or whatever speaks to you. But the beauty about creating a percentage is that as your income increases, you continue to give more. And mm -hmm. if for some reason it decreases, you're giving an appropriate amount for you. Mm. And it does a couple things. So let's first talk about a percentage. The benefit of a percentage is hopefully over time as your income goes up, you are giving more, but we can get into something called anchoring, which is where we think of a number and it sounds like a big number. So let me give you an example. Years ago, I worked with someone who was a physician and it was a couple I was working with. He was the doctor and he made well over a million dollars. So a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And I remember having the conversation with them and he said, oh, we give $10,000 to charity. And that was a lot of money. And it is a lot of money. But on a million dollars, it's not that much money. Yes. But when he was right. a medical student, he probably couldn't even imagine giving $10,000, mm -hmm. right? You know, so that's one thing that it gets you out of the anchoring. The thing about putting it in a separate account is it lets you be super deliberate. So my husband and I know what we have available to give. Our comfort level with giving, and you know, as I study more of this and talk to people, everybody's different on this. Like some of you may just give to causes that are your causes. Stephen and I are happy. We really want to give to our causes, but if a friend of ours is raising money for something, we want to support their good work mm -hmm. in the world. I see you know, that. Unless it's like something we're morally opposed to, which they're probably not our good friend if they're doing that. <laughs> but we <laughs> were sorry. happy to give, Aww. you know, and it's like giving a standing ovation to their good work in the world. 
So we found that we're giving more money because we know what we have allocated before. And it just feels better than like, oh, I have to write another check or I'm giving my credit card again. And what I found, and people have told me over and over, is when they start giving on a systematic basis, more flows into them. Wow. That seems contrary, doesn't it? It does. And it's not just this metaphysical concept, Denise, about what goes around comes around, which I believe, but there's actually been studies that have shown that people that are more generous make more money. Countries that are more generous, like the United States, have higher GDPs. There's something called subjective wealth, which Mm. is this idea that when you give, you've triggered something in your mind that makes you feel like you're more wealthy. So they found that giving $500 to charity gives you the same buzz as getting a $10,000 raise. Isn't that interesting? Wow. That makes it a little easier to give. Yeah, it feels good. And when you feel Mm. wealthier, you're going to be acting as if you're more wealthy and to you know, the conversation we started with this idea of being more open to receiving and being out there in a different way in the world, I do believe it brings more back to you. Mm -hmm. I can really relate to that clinching conversation that you had about going through the recession because there's still, and I think this is something to take a look at. There's still a little bit of me that's clinching. And I think that that's why I'm not prospering because I move in the way that I want. I moved to D.C. in the middle from Portland, Oregon, in the middle of that whole recession. And my business was really connected to the bill, some of it, to the building industry. So things just dropped and it was really kind of scary. I made it through because I'm resourceful, but I think I still have a little bit of leftover clinching going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm noticing, you know, as I left my financial advisory practice and now speaking consulting, it's giving me an opportunity to notice when I'm feeling that for myself and to just mm-hmm. know like, okay, this is where the mindfulness comes in. Okay, uh, noticing, what does that really feel like? Mm-hmm. Is that helping me or not? And not necessarily beating yourself up for it, mm-hmm. but the more you can notice it, you know, what I know is that when I'm thinking scarcity thoughts, it's not going to help me create more of what I want. And to just go, oh, there's a fear-based thought. Here's one quick tool when you catch yourself thinking a thought like, oh my God, what if we go into another recession? What if it turns into 2008 again? Like that whole death spiral of worry, which is yes. easy to get into. Oh my goodness. Right? So, yeah. you know, one thing when you catch yourself thinking those thoughts is if you can just say, cancel clear, cancel that thought, clear mm-hmm. it away and I love replace that. it with something that you want instead. Like you said, okay, oh my God, well, my God, oh, I'm resourceful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Cancel, clear, replace. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, you know, these are all tools that are super important and they may seem less practical than we think they're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. but we know if all it took were people knowing how to budget, then no one would have credit card debt unless it was only situational, right? Like Mm. all of a sudden they lost their drivers. But if that was the case, they'd have an emergency reserve. I mean, we know what to do, but there's all these other forces in place. So if you can have tools that can help you uncover those subconscious beliefs and deal with them when they're there, super helpful. Wow. Yeah, I I can actually feel the buzz around me just talking about it, you know, the thriving of my business, which is where I want it to go. I want it to go to next level thriving. So yay, cancel, clear, replace. I just replaced it. 
Go ahead. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Everybody out there, replace. Let's get this prosperity rolling in. Yeah. And let me just mention another important related part to this. When we were talking mm-hmm. about mindfulness or having a contemplative practice, I used to say when I would speak like, oh, meditation's a good idea. I actually think it's crucial oh. now for success. I know you're a meditator. Yeah, I am. We all need a way to deal with all the thoughts that we have. You know, we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, and many of them aren't positive. I know. It's so true. Well, I've been a meditator for a long time, and I'm also a teacher of meditation. I can tell you recently, I was kind of in this little this spiral that you were talking about. And I looked at myself, and you've been meditating for all these years. So I'd started meditating more. Yeah. Just and doing a lot of that canceling because I realized these were just tapes that were running in my head. It's like, wait a minute. So I started listening to affirmations again and started to meditate more often and all the things that really help you become much more positive about yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, you know, with money fears, you know, part of the reason I do the work in the world that I do is because it, it makes me sad to think about how money creates so much stress for people, whether they have it or not. I worked with a lot of very affluent people. And it doesn't mean just because you have money that you don't worry about it. And I think people who are looking to bring more money into their life assume that more money will just solve all their issues. But I worked with people with millions of dollars, and they were often really worried about things. So it's not necessarily the answer. You know, having a contemplative practice, whether it's sitting in meditation or walking in nature, whatever it is, helps you to start to observe what some of these thoughts are. I am in the process of finishing up a mindfulness teacher training through the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. And one of the requirements of our teacher training was to go on a, at least a five-day silent retreat. Nice. So I went on a seven-day silent retreat and super interesting for me because I will tell you that I'm a really optimistic person. And when I would give that statistic of 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, and most of them are negative, the thing that I would say to myself after that was, oh, most of yours are negative, but mine are all positive. (laughs) And then I go to a silent retreat where there's like no talking for pretty much no talking for seven days. And I'm just, you know, watching my thoughts and being mindful of them. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm like a regular person. I have many thoughts that are not positive. I'd have disasterizing thoughts and, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things in slowing down enough to observe them. Then I can start to, first of all, laugh about the fact that I have disasterizing thoughts all the time. It's not debilitating. <laughs> like seriously, I'm worrying about, you know, all sorts of things. And then actually starting to realize they're just a thought. You know, it doesn't mean they're true or it doesn't mean I have to act on them. Yeah. And the more I can realize they come and go, it's easier for me to sit and say, okay, I'm not going to feel this anxious forever if I just watch it and not hang on to it or try Mm -hmm. to repress it, which was typically my way of dealing with things. Mm. And, you know, if you think, Denise, about it, you can't make a good financial decision if you're all freaked out. That's so true. I guess we have to really hit that button, cancel, clear, replace. Yeah, and have that practice for yourself. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a meditative practice, there's so many easy ways now to do that. There's apps like Insight Timer and Calm and Mm -hmm. Headspace. It's true. 
that are free or very inexpensive ways. You can take a meditation course, which I think is a really good idea to really mm-hmm. develop a, a, a practice. Habit. Mm-hmm. A practice, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, all these big companies, Google and Aetna Health and SAP and Apple, they all have meditation programs because they realize how important it is for the well-being of their team members. Mm-hmm. And when people are feeling more calm and more emotionally stable, they're going to do a better job. That's true. It's very true. I mean, and for those of us out there who are already meditating, recommit. Yep. It makes a difference. I've been going over to, and the center is down the street. The meditation center is down the street from my house, five minutes. Well, okay, seven. I can just drive there around the corner from Whole Foods of all things. And I hadn't been going. So I started going again just to be in the wave of that, just to get my thinking process not under control. But I think I love the way that you said just to be mindful of them, just to be aware, and then begin to replace with some other things. Because there's wonderful things about me and what I'm doing in my life, too, that get far too little time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the nice thing about going to a center like that or taking a course is you develop a community about that. And somehow it just feels, for me at least, better when I'm meditating with other people around. It doesn't have to be that way. 95% of the time, it's not that way. But when I do, it's deeper and feels better and I feel more connected. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's true. And it is better if I'm not worrying or having obsessive thoughts that I can think about the things that I want to do and and the empires that I want to create and the communities that I want to be in. It is really amazing. And that wonderful trip that I just have to take to Tahiti. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So you're saying that one of the most important things for helping with prosperity is to truly begin to meditate, know more about self and establish yourself in your own awareness about your thoughts, good and bad, actually. And if you couple that with being more generous, and we haven't talked yet about gratitude, because I feel like generosity is a physical manifestation of your gratitude. But we know it's lots in the press about how good gratitude is for your mental well-being and your physical well-being. I actually think it's great for your financial well-being as well. Because mm-hmm. another great tool besides you know, saying cancel clear or meditating, if you start to feel financial angst, is to pause and just say, what can you be grateful for? Mm. You know, there's a roof over my head, or I can go to my family's house where there's a roof over their head. I have food, we're healthy, whatever it is, the sun is out. I live in Chicago and we have perfectly blue skies today. Like That is something to be grateful for. Yes, it is, especially in Chicago. Especially in Chicago. Where when it's freezing cold. Yeah. But then you also get to a place where you could even appreciate the freezing cold. I mean, I love the fact that when I lived in the Midwest, I loved being able to go to Chicago in the cold during the winter. Everybody's just bundled up and there's just kind of that sweetness of the snow. So yes, Chicago can be harsh, but at the same time, if you look at it from a different perspective, it's really a winter wonderland. That's it beautiful. Yeah. It is. So I'm grateful for that experience. Well, I'm also really grateful for you. I really am. I've learned so much about not only my finances from you, but I've also learned a lot about 
just myself and appreciating myself and knowing that without that budget, I can create a plan. I can create a roadmap, a GPS system for myself mm-hmm. that will take me to all kinds of places, not an end, but many avenues of experience and success and money and you know lavish abundance. I just am so thankful to have your wisdom be a part of my podcast. Oh, what a joy to be here with you, Denise. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're more than welcome. And I'm going to be on your podcast too. Yep. <laughs> we don't know what I'm talking about, but I think we'll pull something out of the hat today. Yeah. Well, I'm going to encourage everybody out there to go to your website or to look for you as a speaker. So would you please share that information with us? Sure. So if you go to ellenrogan.com, that's E-L-L-E-N-R-O-G-I-N.com. And if you actually go to ellenrogan.com forward slash goodies, there's some free downloads for you that will be hopefully helpful on your road to prosperity. And if you're interested, our book is called Picture Your Prosperity. And that's available at Amazon. And I really think it's an awesome book. Oh, picture your prosperity. I love it. I just love it. You know, a lot of people are saying that women are the present and the future of the greatness of this world. And I know you travel around the world. You just got back from Croatia and you carry your knowledge and your wisdom around the world. Would you agree with that concept, that idea? Yeah. And I, and actually what really inspires me to have help people, but really women stand in their power around money is what I know is that when women can get past the question of, am I going to be okay to how much can I give, that we will be, we will change the world. Mm. You know, there's this statistic that something like $20 trillion is going to pass into the control of women in the next 10 years. And if just 10% of that was used for positive change, every child on the planet would be fed and educated and money for research for autism and Alzheimer's and breast cancer would increase tenfold and it will make a difference. Mm. So we are the change makers. You probably had heard the quote from the Dalai Lama at the 2009 Vancouver Peace Conference that the world will be changed by the Western woman. I don't just think it's the Western woman either. So this is why we must get, you know, in control of our personal finances. It's not just about us. Like, of course we must, because we have big work to do in the world. We have big work to do in the world. We have great ability to earn lots and lots and lots that will help us fuel our things that we want to support and be generous about. And just the visions that we have, the vision that we have in mind for a great world, a great country, a great community, a great family, and then straight back to a great self. For sure. And I'm excited about that. Well, that's Ellen Rogan, www.ellenrogan.com, and then slash goodies. I love that idea. I love that idea of getting goodies. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's just a real joy to have you. And I'm going to wish everybody very, very happy holidays. Get out there, enjoy yourself, but begin to think about yourself in that process and light up the Christmas tree of your own soul. That's what's important. That's what's important. 
That's it. That's all. I'm going to encourage you as we go into the new year, Women Express is going to be doing more and more events. So take a look on the website and figure out what we're doing. My millennial daughter is pushing me to do Women Express podcast live, inviting some of our guest speakers in different cities. So hopefully I'll come to Chicago. That'd be a great place. Get you and Deborah. Oh my goodness, we'd have a wonderful time together. So I want all those of you who are out there to follow us and make sure that you keep an eye on the events because we, the women that I bring on this show, we've made a commitment to change this world. We really are change makers and we're going to go about doing that. So please stay tuned. And the other thing I'm going to ask is subscribe. I want you to subscribe. I want you to rate us. I went in the other day and actually started reading some of the ratings and the things people are saying about this podcast are actually soul moving, heart moving. It was very nice to see. That's the beauty of women and when they speak. And I'm going to encourage you to step up and have a strong voice. Speak your way into your prosperity. Speak your way into your success. Come on, women. Let's express. Thank you so much. We had a great time today. What I'd like to ask you to do is to rate us, give us good ones, review, and subscribe. And if you love the time you spent with us and loved our speakers, our interviewees, then share this with your friends. That's collectively Women Express. Thank you for being with me. Bye for now. <laughs>